Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast. I'm your host Bob Osgood and joining me as she does every week uh, is Shelly Verstraight. Shelly, what do you think? When's the next time the Red Sox are going to lose a game? Um, never, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, 159 I mean, and 3. Uh, I totally... Heard here first. Yeah, uh, just to give like the uh, the listeners kind of like a... We're talking in like the second game of the of the doubleheader, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they just won that that game with that amazing, amazing catch. It was such a good game to watch. Yep, they're definitely gonna lose the second game, and this will be have no context whatsoever tomorrow <laughs> when it's in everyone's feed. But yep, we saw uh, an incredible catch by Alex Verdugo in Game One. Uh, it's, I think everybody immediately thought back to Ben Benintendi's catch in the playoffs a couple of years back. Just full speed, toughest ball as an outfielder, running in like that. You know, not going left or right. You know, just deciding whether to lay out or not. Because if it gets past you, it's three, maybe four bases. Um, so, what a play! They are eight and three, and not what we saw coming around the, the first time that we were um, recording these during the regular season. So. A lot better vibes around here. Uh, we've got the long weekend coming up with uh, Patriots Day up in Boston. Aren't going to have a marathon again this year, but they do have the 11.05 start on Monday. So big homestand coming up. 
and uh, definitely a lot of exciting things happening with the Red Sox right now. Um, today, we are going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk about some news and notes to start, uh, and then we're going to talk about the July, early July MLB draft. Um, we'll talk about the Red Sox having the fourth pick. Uh, it's been you know, a few years since they've had a pick that early. Uh, we'll talk about some possible players, get you familiar kind of with the, the format of the draft, some, some of the players up top, and a couple of outside-the-box um, prospects to think about that um, if, you know, there's about four players for them uh, around the, the, with them having the fourth pick. There'll be a couple others that we'll talk about as well. But we're going to start out with some news and notes. Uh, Brian Mata. We opened last week with Brian Mata. We talked about him, I think, the week before. And turns out he's going to have Tommy John surgery. He'll miss all of the season. He will miss a good amount of next season. Shelly, not a huge surprise. I think we said they might be delaying the inevitable and just wanted to be 100% sure a week ago. Uh, looks like that's the case. What do, you, what do you think about Brian Mata? Yeah, when I saw this, uh, you know, this news kind of come out today, like it, it was, oh, it was just like a gut punch because I mean, we, like you said, we kind of knew that this was already coming, but it just, it always hurts whenever you do see a pitcher, especially like Mata, who is like one of our like best pitching prospects, um, just go down and you know we're not going to see him for a year and a half like two years, something like that. It just it just really, really stinks because he was so close, uh, you know, to contributing to the team and all that. And it's just a big setback and just a big, just, you know, you know, step on your toe kind of feeling, you know, just, yeah. oh, just so awful. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we talked last week about when in the season you have Tommy John surgery and how many years you might potentially be out. You have it in April, and you might miss two seasons. Um, 12 to 18-month recovery, everybody's different. Everybody has, um, you know, a different reaction to that and when they start throwing again, uh, how long their rehab is. It, it varies. So ideally, we see Mata next year at some point. If he can get back on the mound in July or August and throw innings in a minor league game next year, that would be a success to just get back into competition. And, you know, by the time that 2023 rolls around, which would hypothetically be the next time there's a full season, he'd be 23 years old and, um, you know, a lot will have changed. So, yep, it's unfortunate, but certainly not surprising with Brian Mata. Um, second news item the uh, Worcester Red Sox have started playing simulated games, and they are airing uh, on Twitter. So how about that, Shelly? I know you stumbled across that over the last day or so. Did you catch any of the, the first day or two of action out there? Um, unfortunately, I haven't really been able to. Um, but when I saw this like come through like my Twitter feed, I'm like, oh, they're doing this again because they were like one of the, the only teams um, you know, last year at the, you know, at the alt site that was actually airing some of these games. So you, we actually got to see, 
you know, Tristan Casas and all these other prospects um, last year and we that we never really thought that they were going to. Um, and that yeah. they're doing it again just really just made me smile. I will be tuning in when I'm at work. I'll put my iPad up, you know, to the side of my desk and just kind of like watch it, you know, you know, yeah. when I'm supposedly uh, working. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just so great to see. And uh, yeah, it was, we got a, we got a, you know, a look at the new park at Worcester. It's just, it's really, it was really, really awesome. Yeah. And, and only the diehard of diehards would be watching that, especially with the Red Sox um, playing at that time. They've had two o'clock games all week. They play at one o'clock tomorrow. So, uh, but it, it would be good to have in the background, depending on who's pitching, who's playing. And in the, the first day of alternate site workouts, Connor Siebold um, was pitching. And according to an Ian Cundell tweet, he uh, Siebold faced 21 hitters over five innings at Worcester, allowed four hits, struck out seven in those five innings and walked two, um, was throwing hard, uh, missing bats with his fastball. And he said that he seemed to be working on his breaking ball given on how often he was throwing that curveball so a good sign we've talked about it before there are options when injuries occur or if any of their starters are ineffective put Seabold on that list uh, Tanner Houck who we've talked plenty about Garrett Whitlock who we profiled last week that's about eight deep that uh, you know you could be comfortable with obviously you don't know how they're any of these pitchers would would work out in the rotation as we haven't seen most of them so far but it's good to have another name that they seem to be comfortable with uh, when the inevitable injuries happen to the rotation throughout the season. So, um, you know, good to, to hear that. And it's good that you can tune in if you're bored on a weekday afternoon. Yeah, and then I the, totally agree. Oh, yep. And then the last item we had was the uh, Atlantic League, which is an independent partner uh, with the independent league that partners with Major League Baseball. Had a couple of rule changes, and we've talked a lot about minor league rule changes. I figured it was worth bringing up one more time because <clears throat> the first kind of most notable item was moving the mound back one foot. They're going to try that. And we talked about exactly that two weeks ago uh, during that the, the article and podcast that Theo Epstein was on with The Athletic. Uh, you know, possible changes we referenced, you know, in the, the 60s when they, they moved the mound down um, after such dominant pitching and um, strikeout heavy league, which is what the league is turning into. And you can could tell that Theo Epstein talked a lot about balls in play and trying to get as much away from the three outcome game that we're seeing now. Um, you know, we'll see if they move it back one foot and that's too drastic. Maybe it's a half a foot, but it'll be interesting to see what the results are with that. Um, that was the first item. And then the second is that the designated hitter is only going to be in effect until the starting pitcher leaves the game. Um, to me, that seems like incentive, obviously, to leave your starting pitcher in the game. Uh, you Maybe they don't think that the best product is having your starter pulled in the second or third inning of a playoff game when so many eyes are, are on those playoff games, when you have more fans and these pitchers are being pulled so early in the game, incentive to leave them in longer and have your star pitchers, you know, Blake Snell, for example, pitch another turn through uh, or a couple more innings would be to have that DH because otherwise, once the pitcher is pulled, you'll have to have the pitcher hit or pinch hit for them for the duration of the game. So, uh, but the moving the, the mound back and the DH only, 
any thoughts on either of these and how they might affect the Atlantic League and if they might be in consideration down the line? Um, yeah, uh, with the moving the mound back, um, I'm, I'm kind of fine with them just seeing how it goes. Uh, I saw some things on Twitter today that they did some studies um, to see if, you know, if there's any like mechanical changes for a, for, for a starter, you know, moving different um, different uh, like feet or inches or whatever um, back from where it uh, usually is. And they um, in their in their study that they, they, they didn't see any mechanical differences. And they so they kind of like say, okay, so maybe there won't be um, like any new injuries. Um, I, I'm fine with them like testing this out, especially at the you know the Atlantic League where you know it we can baseball can still like try to figure out how to quote unquote make the game better um and then it, it when, when you know they can just go into a you know a lower level or whatever um and it doesn't really change things too much uh the dh1 is really interesting i didn't really um expect to see something like that but i i agree with you it's really gonna um affect how um teams decide um you know how they want to keep their starters because honestly if they do that then they really can't have openers anymore because i mean you know i'm watching i have the twins game up as i'm podcasting right yeah and you know one of the the greatest dhs currently is nelson cruz so the you know the twins really have to keep their starter out there as much as you can because you don't want to take Nelson Cruz out of the lineup. So right. that one, that one, I'm really interested to see what happens because that can really change things. That's a great point. I haven't talked to anyone that says they love the opener. That that's you know one of the great things to happen in the last decade in baseball is the opener. You know, I think the only the only pitcher that you could use as a follower would be Shohei Itani in that case with the way that he's um, hitting on both sides. Uh, so yeah. you're right. I think that would potentially or likely remove that aspect as well. Um, so, okay, we're going to move on to our MLB draft preview. We'll probably over the next three months uh, touch on this a good amount as news comes in. Um, you know, we'll have the, the college baseball world series that will be interesting as you go from May into June. Um, there'll be a month or so after the college season, and then it'll ramp up to the early July draft, um, which is a little later. It had been in June previously, and it's going to be in July this year. Uh, the Red Sox have the fourth pick. Um, so they have the fourth pick in the first round. They have the 40th pick in the second round, and they have the 75th pick in the third round. Um, you know, that doesn't just add up 32 picks in between because there are different type of compensation picks. There's competitive balance picks. And, of course, the Astros are losing two picks for another year based on some scandalous activity in the past. So, um, four, 40 and 75, but we'll focus today on the fourth pick. Um, going into prior to the college season, you looked at mock drafts, you looked at lists, and it seemed to me that four names stood out. Uh, those names are uh, Jack Leiter, right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt. Kamar Rocker, also right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt. Um, Jordan Lawler, shortstop, a high school shortstop from Dallas Jesuit High School. And um, Marcelo Mayer, a high school shortstop from East Lake High School in California. 
we figured we would start with the two pitchers. Um, Shelly, take your pick. Do you want to start with uh, Jack Leiter or Kamar Rocker? Um, I'm going to go with like my favorite of the two. Um, my favorite of the two is Leiter. All right, go nuts. <laughs> I, I I really do like this dude. Like he is a bit on the smallest side. I, I, I think that he's about like six foot. Um, but everything that I've seen from him um, this year, um, like through Twitter and a few, you know, YouTube uh, video uh, scouting things that I have seen, I, I just really like this dude. Like he strikes out just everybody. He has the command and everything that you want from a pitcher. He has. And he's just looked absolutely dominant, um, you know, for, for Vandy this year. And I, I just remember, like, in the preseason where they had Lighter, like, falling to, like, five or six. I'm like, there is no way that he's falling past four because I would just, you know, totally rip the Red Sox a new one if they let Lighter fall, fall that far. And then <laughs> It's he not just, happening anymore. It's not happening anymore. There goes that. I will crumple up that piece of paper and throw it in the trash. That's not happening. But yeah, Lighter, oh, I, I think that he's going to be, I don't know, maybe quote unquote like the safer pitcher, which saying safe and pitcher in the same sentence is is seems wrong to say. But I, I think that he's like the more just the more safe guy like rocker definitely could be like a guy who could just you know be an absolute ace but lighter i just think that he is just he is it for me yeah absolutely he has made eight appearances so far this year he's seven and oh he has a 0.55 era and in 49 innings he's struck out 84 batters this is in the sec (laughs) Um, and opponents are hitting 082. So those are video game numbers. He has a no-hitter. He followed up his no-hitter with seven more no-hit innings. I don't know the exact number. I think it was 19 or 20 over three appearances when all was said and done without allowing a hit. Um, You know, if the name Leiter rings a bell, his father was a pitcher, Al Leiter, who you still see on MLB Network a good amount. Um, but I agree with you. He throws really hard. Mid-90s, he can touch in the upper 90s. Um, looping curveball that has uh, reportedly a high spin rate. He has a slider and a changeup. Um, he's absolutely dominant. He is flat-out unhittable. And along with Rocker, who I'm going to talk about next, they will be quite a tandem, and I'm sure... Every one of their games, whether it's in the regionals or hopefully if they make it to um, the the World Series, that all of those games are televised and we get to see every pitch that these two uh, prospects throw during the College World Series. Um, so the other one is Kamar Rocker. He is a lot bigger than lighter. He's not six feet. He is six four, uh, six five on some sites, two hundred and fifty five pounds. Just an imposing force on the mound. He took over the tournament two years ago, the last time that they had a tournament. Um, High strikeouts, electric fastball, uh, regularly in the mid-90s during that tournament and since. Um, He had thrown 114 innings all as a starter in college entering this season. Um, This year he's had eight appearances as well. 7-1, 48 innings, uh, 12 runs, 10 earned. So 1.88 ERA. 
73 strikeouts in those 48 innings and an opponent average of 161. So both great pitchers um, and really were going 1-2 in a lot of mock drafts that you saw early on. The interesting thing with Rocker is that his fastball has kind of dropped off a little bit in his past three starts, reportedly down to about 91 on the fastball, um, which is interesting in a lot of respects. You know, you hope that there isn't an injury there. He did throw a lot of pitches on a start four starts ago prior to um, these last three starts where he was throwing closer to the lower 90s. Um, So hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully this is just kind of a phase that he's going through during the season and can get that arm strength built back up prior to the tournament um, because his his command is great, um, but they you know as as games go on he's lost some of his fastball command. I did watch one of his early starts where he was just impossible to hit the first three or four innings, and then as he got to the fifth, you could see that he was missing up in the zone. He started to walk people, so. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see that and whether that will cause him to drop in the draft. I've heard some folks who have him closer to four or five or even lower in the draft coming up, you know, if it was right now. So much can change between now and three months from now. So it's just something to keep an eye on. It, this is the player that I would love to have fall. I've The ship has sailed with lighter. I'm pretty sure he's going to go one. Um, but I'm hoping that Rocker falls to four. Um, to the Red Sox. That would be kind of my dream scenario. Anything to add on, on Rocker, Shelley? Uh, no, no. Um, I, I I would love for him to, to fall to four. Uh, yeah, but we were talking, you know, uh, prior to us recording, you kind of, you know, told me about, you know, Rocker's kind of like diminished velocity, and that totally shocked me. So after we get off this pod, I will be doing some more research on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's probably important to note who's picking ahead of the Red Sox. The Pirates have the first pick, Rangers have the second, and the Tigers have the third. Um, I don't think that any of those teams are going to be drafting based on need. Uh, they all need plenty, <laughs> plenty of talent. Doesn't matter what position it's at, whether it's a shortstop or a pitcher. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where those two land uh, and if they land in the three picks prior to the Red Sox. Yep. All right, um, same question. Uh, there's two shortstops um, that I mentioned, Jordan Lawler and Marcelo Mayer. Do you want to take either of those, Shelley, and start it off? Um, I guess I'll go with uh, Mayer. I'll give you the easy one with Lawler. Oh, <laughs> exactly. I, I took the easier <laughs> pitcher. I'll give you the easier shortstop. Uh, so Mayer, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a 6'3". A prep guy um, out of California. Um, he is, you know, he he's a really, really interesting guy. Um, he is definitely a better defensive guy than hitter. He is the the you know the best defensive shortstop in the class. And I mean, this if you look like a like Baseball America or Prospects Live or MLB Pipeline, there are a lot of really, really interesting uh, prep shortstops in this class. And just knowing that Mayer is the top defensive guy, that that that's like really good. Um, he has really really good um, uh, actions in the field. He can go both sides, easy peasy. Um, the 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 biggest downside with him is 
is honestly like the power it it it's it's very fringy right now uh, I'm not I mean I'm not sure if it would ever really get to average or whatever but I mean if you got a guy who can just you know just you know be an absolute amazing glove in the field and with a good you know bat to ball skills and maybe you know maybe he'll get to above average power that's really good and you know and for real baseball I mean you need a good defensive shortstop so you know if if the the Red Sox end up you know uh you know drafting Mayer and he signs it's still a really really good prospect yeah definitely and and looking at watch a little bit of film on Mayer and left-handed hitter he has such an easy swing he barely steps is a quick bat um you know just that (laughs) some of the 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 best most memorable swings that you think of often come from left-handed hitters and you think of of rutchman adley rutchman is a recent draft pick from the left side uh mayer just has that easy smooth swing and the ball just explodes off of his bat um so i agree with that that would certainly be another one. I think either of these shortstops, either of these pitchers, um, picking in the top four, it's it's a good spot to be. You know, it might be the top tier, and so much can change between now and then. We have a couple other players we'll talk about after this, um, but it's a good spot to be where they are. I think that that there's a supposedly a drop off at four, um, so we'll see. Uh, with Jordan Lawler, um, you know, he had bit more of a leg lift when I was watching some tape on him. Bit of a stride. Uh, he's committed to Vanderbilt. Better hitter of the two, like Shelley mentioned. Um, faster. He has, you know, above average future power. Has what you could consider 70 grade speed. Um, great 60 yard dash time near the top of anybody in the class. Um, he would, he'll be 19 at the age of the draft. Um, as Meyer will be 18 still, um, but a little bit lower on the defensive scale. Has a chance to stick at shortstop, but at the next level will need to make some progress. His arm isn't super strong, kind of 55 grade arm that Baseball America put on him. Uh, you know, will need to make improvements to definitively stay at shortstop, but he has a bat that without question can play up somewhere in the infield. It's just a question of whether he can stick it short. Um, but, you know, hit tool, power, and run, all of those are going to be excellent grades that you see leading up to the draft. There's a ton to like about him. He's six foot two, 185 pounds. Uh, he's committed to Vanderbilt, just like the other two pitchers. Um, but I have a feeling, unless something strange happens between now and the draft that we'll see him um, most likely get drafted and not end up going to Vanderbilt after this summer. So let's kind of take a a pause there. Uh, Those are the the top four that were in the early season mocks. There are a couple other players that we're going to hit on a little bit. I did want to mention uh, Jaden Hill. He was a pitcher from LSU who was kind of in this mix, in this top five, top ten, um, mix up until a couple of weeks ago when we found out that he was going to have Tommy John surgery, likely to drop out of the first round. Who really knows? A player that will be probably out through 2022, just like we were talking about with Tommy John, but he had high 90s fastball with movement and a slider and a changeup that was really kind of 
high ceiling but low floor pitcher because he was injured two years ago and then missed a everybody missed most of last season and then now he has an arm injury so sky's the limit with Jaden Hill from LSU it's unfortunate that he had the injury um Shelly, any thoughts on Hill or kind of where a, a team that you think could potentially um, benefit from Hill or, or whether he might be a later pick that the Sox could be interested in? I mean, I really do hope that he, you know, he lasts to the to the second round and we can, you know, you know, take a gamble on Hill here. Um, but it's like I, 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 I just get like this feeling that one of like – I don't know, like the, the the Dodgers or the Rays, like if they have like a very, very late pick in that first round, someone's just going to snag him, right? Just pick him and just be like, yeah, let's kind of see how this goes. Because he, like you said, like he is, he is a really, really good talent. But like, also, like you said, like we haven't really seen him, you know, go a full distance really. Um, so he's a very intriguing arm and he's definitely going to be a name that I'm just going to watch just to see where he goes, just see which team, you know, takes a chance on, you know, this, you know, on, on this talent. Yep. Yep. Agree with that. Um, there are some interesting catchers in the draft. Um, Henry Davis from Louisville, Shelly, do you want to talk a little bit about Davis? Yeah. Yeah. I really... Um, when I was prepping um, for this episode and just kind of like reading, you know, some scouting reports and stuff like that um, and just seeing kind of like performance as well um, during this college season, Henry Davis, I, I really, really, really do like. Um, he, you know, he is definitely a hitter. Like currently he's hitting above 300. Um, he's a 300, 381, 463. Um, he has, um, you know, the, he has an absolute cannon behind the plate and he really is a good, uh, defensive catcher plus offensive catcher. He kind of like brings both. I mean, like you said, there are a couple other catchers that are maybe a little bit more offensive minded, but Henry Davis just brings it all. And, um, I, I really like this guy. I mean, I don't know. I think it'd be a little bit aggressive to take him number four. So I don't think that the Red Sox are really going to um, draft him. But, man, he, I think Henry Davis is really going to be fun. Yeah, and it's interesting because he's a college catcher. So he's not that far out from, you know, college bats. They move. Sometimes they're up within two years. And Christian Vasquez, his contract is up in two years. So... It's possible if they lo- if they love him, he's a right-handed hit hitter who would play up pretty well at Fenway. He's got an incredible arm. He's a physical catcher. You know, spends all day in the gym. It appears. Um, so if that's the the direction that they go, it, it could be somebody. You know, Vasquez is gone in two years, or you bring him back for another year, or have kind of a bridge catcher to a player like that. It, it would be interesting if they went with a college uh, catcher there. Yeah, and I mean, like, and catcher is like really, really shallow in the system. I mean, what Connor, Connor Wong? Yeah, um, that's really about it. So yeah, they would. It would be really awesome if they just, you know, went with this guy. Eight homers, nine steals in thirty games so far this year for Davis. So that's a name I've got an eye on. Um, potentially, you know, just outside the top four, or if anything happened to one of those top four players, I think he's kind of a, a sleeper pick that could be in the top 10 and maybe even the top five. Yep. Uh, no, another name that I want to bring up, I think 
interesting for anybody in the, the Boston area. Sal Frelick is a Boston College outfielder. He's only 5'9", 175, but has really taken, his stock has gone up in the past year into the top 10 on most lists. He was a Lexington High School standout, played baseball, football, and hockey there, um, and has really improved over the last year or so. His stock has gone way up. Um, you know, high energy plus athlete type of player, both sides of the ball. Um, early in this season, you know, we he was looking like a top 15. I see a lot of lists that have him closer to the top 10, but just athleticism, speed, versatility, both sides of the ball. Um, outfielder currently, but I read in some scouting reports that he could be moved to second base if that's a better fit for him. So thought he was an interesting player um, to talk about. And then Brady House, did you want to finish up with that, Shelly? Brady House, third baseman, uh, high school bat. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like him too. Um, I He's a really, really interesting bat. Uh, he's, you know, eight, he'd be about just a little bit over 18 years old, 6'3", 215. Um, he's a prep uh, guy out of Georgia. Um, so just based on that, you know, the, the, you know, Atlanta will probably draft him. They, <laughs> they, they really like to get those Georgia guys. Um, but I mean, he just, he has the ability, you know, to be a plus hitter. He has above average power. He'll probably be able to stick it, you know, short or even maybe even move over to third because I mean, he can just, he has just an amazing, amazing arm. So he's like a really, really interesting guy. Um, and he might fall a little bit because because he's a prep guy and is like really, really toolsy. Um, he, he might fall just based on like signing signability concerns and stuff like that. But whoever whoever signs uh, Brady House is just gonna be in for just an immense talent. This dude is awesome. Great, yep. And uh, the last one I was going to mention was uh, Connor Hoagland, who is a pitcher at Mississippi, Um, one of the better strike throwers, kind of more of a command pitcher. Um, Early this year, he's 3-1, 2.57 ERA, uh, 49 innings, 78 strikeouts, uh, 33 hits, 16 walks. So that's the line on Hoagland. Um, He doesn't throw as hard. He kind of sits in the low 90s. I know that his Velocity's been good this year, been up closer to the mid-90s at times, um, and has a, a good slider, very good slider that has been considered above average. So, you know, those strikes, strike throwers, command guys, I've been more and more interested in as time has passed. I think if there are any concerns with Rocker and a, a team around, you know, picks three through six really are looking for an arm there, that Hoagland is a sleeper. Uh, pitcher that that you could see in the mix I think kind of my last question for you is in terms of needs do you is that something that you ever think about in the draft or do you think that's something that the Red Sox should think about does it matter we talked about a catcher we talked about a couple shortstops third base um, and a few right-handed pitchers does need matter Uh, is that something that you think about or is it just kind of go get the best player and figure figure it out later um, for me, if, if I'm, you know, picking at four, like the Red Sox, I'm just going to pick whoever I think is going to be the best player. Um, uh, but if I was picking like later, 
Um, maybe I would think a little bit more about need, but honestly, you just go for the best player and figure it all out, right? Yeah. I mean... Um, y- right. You have to. You move somebody if you need to. <laughs> exactly. Bryce Harper was drafted as a catcher, and he bar- he barely played catcher. Like, he went straight to the outfield. So, it, it's... Yeah. It, yeah. I just get the best... Just get the best player. Yeah, and if you think about how this lines up with the prep bats versus the college player, you know, you don't think about with pitcher, you don't worry about position there. But I mentioned the Vasquez situation, and the the best catchers are college bats, and uh, at least this this draft, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then at shortstop, you've got two prep bats that are 18, 19 years old. Um, you know, Bogarts will be well, will be closer to his mid 30s, say five years from now, when a shortstop um, works his way through. And is once a shortstop is 22 or 23 after being a high school draftee, um, you never know. So much can change between now and then that I agree, especially yeah. in their current situation. I would love to see them develop a pitcher. I can't think of <laughs> <laughs> who the last one would be. You, you can argue clay buckholtz i don't know if that counts you could go all the way back to john lester uh 15 16 years ago um you know they've developed some pitchers to varying degrees but a a front line one or two pitcher it's been a really long time so that's what i'm hoping for um and we'll see what happens so any other thoughts anyone that we missed or anything else you want to talk about in the draft preview um, no, but it, it's, it's really excited. Uh, like when you brought this up to me, I'm like, oh, I haven't really done research. And then I just start doing research. I'm like, oh, wow, look at all these awesome guys. So I'm really, I, it's, I'm going to dig in and I'm just so excited to just, just yeah, get well, more, more players. It reminded me to watch more college baseball, which yes. I was doing in February. Cause I would watch any game at that point. Um, fallen off a little bit the last month, but definitely going to get back into that. Um, so, all right, we're going to wrap things up. We have our other podcasts on the Over the Monster Podcast Network. We have Matt and Brian on the OTM pod. We have the Red Seat Podcast with Jake and Keaton. And we have the Precap with Shelly and Keaton. Um, so, great episode. Thanks for joining me, Shelly, and we'll talk to you next week.